0: Hey, look what it is. Hi, everyone. It is uh, the 20th of July, 2023. My name is Luke Thomas. This is episode 165 of my live chat. I hope you are doing well. I know that I am barely alive at this point. Oh, my God, folks. (laughs) I've been working on a project that has absolutely, in the words of Brian Campbell, beat the bags off of me. Uh, It is done. I turned it in about what is it for? I turned it in about uh, two hours ago. So holy smokes, I'm actually going to do something. I don't know if I've ever done that. Then what I'm about to do in all the years I've done this live chat, I probably have, but uh, I don't, it hasn't been some time cause I don't really drink that much. I'm actually going to enjoy a beer on the air today as like a celebration. I've got good. I mean, it's just regular Pilsner, but I drink local when I can. This is uh here. There we go. Senate beer. This is a local beer from, I'm not even sure. Uh, Oh Yeah. Hurek Brewing Company. I'm sure it's delicious. I've actually had them before. They're pretty good. It's just a regular beer. But uh, if you've got one, join me. huh? How about that? So we have a lot to get to today. Tons of fight announcements, including one that just broke like 30 minutes ago for Corey Sandhagen's new opponent on my birthday, August 5th. So we have that to get to a whole lot more without further ado. Uh, let's get this party started, shall we? All right, there we go. All right, let's open the beer. Yeah, let's open the beer. And you're like, look how many are you going to have? Uh, not enough to cause me problems. I'll put it that way. Uh, I just can't drink like I, I once did. I drank for through my 20s and through my 30s, and uh, it doesn't really lead anywhere great. So here we go. All right. Arriba Baja, Central Panamco. Here we go. Mm. Okay, a couple of ground rules. Number one. We have a poll going on right now about who you think is going to win, Hamzat Chermayev or Paulo Costa. That fight for UFC 294 does appear to be official. Who's going to win that? We'll talk about that, I'm sure. Um, We'll put some other polls up throughout the course of the live chat. Participate if you're so inclined. Thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. That'd be so great if you did. I know people have complained about the podcast not getting up on time, which, by the way, all of those complaints are entirely valid and othello was uh, kicking my ass about it last week so we actually have a plan to make sure we avoid trouble for this week but of course if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform leave us a nice review and please subscribe to participate in the chat doesn't cost you anything to be a subscriber it's free uh and if you want to leave a donation we'll get to those questions at the end despite my family screaming at the top of their lungs during the middle of my podcast and um if you've got a follow-up question to anything we talk about here Othello will put it on the screen in real time through the super chat functionality okay but if you just want the free stuff i'm good with that too all right all right um oh my god i mean mean, (laughs) like not even an attempt at inside voices you know what i mean not even an attempt just like go fuck fuck your life oh my god bro just unbelievable uh what are you gonna do what are you gonna do All right, I can see a little bit better that way. Let's pull up the questions. If we can, actually, let's refresh first, and then we'll pull up the questions. I'm sorry I had to go at four the last two weeks. This is not a permanent change. My wife's been out of town on work, so I've had to pick my daughter up. Uh, We usually split duties, but I've had to pick her up in the afternoon, so this is the earliest I could get back and make this work. That's why it's been like this. But we'll be back to three, I think, next week. Uh, Okay. Let's go to it. Here we go. Uh, first question, Luke, do you think it's possible that PFL buying Bellator could actually be good for the UFC long term, good for the UFC? uh having a legitimate competitor could lead to their own version of the Monday Night Wars in a sense, which created a boom in popularity for both brands when it happened and ultimately led the WWE still coming out on top in the end. Well, like I'm not really interested in what is good for UFC and as much as I'm what's good for MMA, which often means what's good for UFC, but I'm not trying to, you know, um, sort winners and losers in that way. I mean, here's what I would say. I think there's a lot of ways this is a good thing for MMA, right? To have a clear Pepsi to the UFC's Coke... Uh, right now there it's sort of disputed, and you know, everyone's got like, well, it's PFL, well, it's Bellator, well, it's one. Well, really, it's kind of unsettled. I mean, there's a little bit of a pecking order there. But the point being is that there's not like a gap, really, a, a enormous gap, except for Bellator's done bigger gates than I think the other ones, and certainly much more TV ratings. Um, if you're to believe actual numbers, but even still the current state of Bellator, it's you know, none of these ones are really far outside of the other one's orbit. But the combination of any two of them would be significant um if you're buying Bellator I think you know just being candidly what are you buying I don't think you're buying a brand really I don't think you're buying you are buying a library which is really valuable you're buying a roster really though that's what you're buying that's that's really at the heart of it when you're purchasing that what are you purchasing you're purchasing a lot of intellectual property I'm not sure how much of it is valuable but I certainly the library is valuable but beyond that the 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 roster that's really what you're buying you're buying a very good light heavyweight division. You're you're buying a very good featherweight division. You're buying uh, access to the Nurmagomedov family, right? Because one of the Nurmagomedovs is the champion in Bellator. So now you have access to that platform. And I mean, I'm sure there was other ways that they've had access. But I mean, if you're the you, if you're a PFL, you've got Jake Paul under contract. You've got Francis Ngannou under contract. Now you're going to have if the purchase goes through Vadim Nemkov. Uh, Usman Nurmagomedov dude you're going to have AJ McKee at the Pitbull brothers although uh, certainly I think some of their better days are, might be behind them at this point but you get the point like you're Aaron Pico like you're you're buying like an actual patchy mix I mean I could go on and on like a great bantamweight division you're but you're adding a substantial amount of quality to the roster um, by buying that that's really what you're buying and so I think with that if they can land on a decent spot in terms of who their next broadcast partner might be you know, I do think that that's interesting that the that they will provide. I hope uh, some kind of an alternative to the UFC product. Not that like, listen, I think that the more you have empowered promoters in the space, the more you can get a different idea about what MMA looks. The more there can be some competition, competition driving innovation, driving changes, and I think all that could be good. But there's a, there's a few things that like I also don't think are great. If PFL buys Bellator. Yeah, you're buying the premium end of the product that I'm talking about. But a lot of the Bellator product, if you look at how many fights and what percentage they take up, Are not your AJ McKees. They're not your uh, Vadim Nemkovs. They're not your Yoel Romero's or anybody with a name. It's a lot of guys you've never heard of. Sometimes on the come up, sometimes they're kind of like local guys who are relevant. And a lot of these, like a lot of that level of the business is funded by what Bellator does. I'm told an excess yearly of 40 million in terms of payouts. Um, They're not going to keep all of that. They can't. They can't possibly give room to all of them. So they're going to buy the roster, but they're going to cut probably a substantial portion. Where are those lesser guys going to go? Um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't think that's great. Candidly, I will also tell you, like PFL, PFL plus Bellator, that's a formidable roster. Um, They could really offer an alternative, but I just believe that this every All we do is tournaments and then, you know, the occasional super fight, whatever they're going to do with like Clarissa Shields or, you know, because she's also on the roster, I guess, or at least once was anyway, um, with Francis as well. You know, so they've got this other sort of side project, but like all these tournaments all the time. I don't think that's the right move. Frankly, I like Bellator's model better of the Grand Prix. Uh, where you just sort of pick one and then you go with that, and the rest of them you can match make in that way. I think just kind of trying to tournament themselves to death when they add all of that roster is a bad idea, uh, and you're gonna you're gonna hurt people that the fans want to see. You're gonna elevate people that they don't otherwise care about, um, and you know you're like, oh, it's where the best fight the best, but like you know that PFL plus Bellator is not where the best fight the best. It's where a lot of the uh, the best are. There, there will be very good fighters there. No, make no mistake about it. But it's not in every case that's what it is. So make it something kind of good, but also kind of fun and different. One succeeds at this brilliantly because they do, they do four ounce muay thai. The grappling is not everyone's cup of tea. I like it. I think it works. Um, you know, uh, and they've got the different rule set for MMA. Like that's a real alternative. They can't compare their roster to a PFL plus Bellator, but they do have a genuine alternative. So like. The best possible world, if you ask me, would be to take all three and combine them and use one's kind of product dynamic and rule set for MMA for all of it. That, to me, would be like a massive difference. That would be like a really big power move. Um, but, you know, who the hell wants to buy all of, all of uh, um, one's debt? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's just a regular old Pilsner beer. Original Twentieth Street Northwest recipe, so Twentieth Street would be uh, basically south, well, just west of um, Dupont Circle before Georgetown. Uh, Were there breweries out there? Really? I guess back in the day. All right. Let's see, Luke. I'm pretty high on, uh, I'm still pretty high on Jalen Turner. Yeah, me too. But after missing weight in his recent performances, is there reason to worry about his development? Hooker is somebody that he probably should have beaten at this stage in their respective careers. And I rewatched the Gamera fight, and he was overwhelmed by the wrestling. Even the one knockdown actually came from a slip. Right, good point. Is it time for a step back in competition? Well, yes. I mean, if you're losing fights, that means, that uh, like, you tried to reach that level. And he gave him, I mean, he came this close to beating Hooker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not many, not many guys would have survived that. Um, so, you know, I wasn't like he turned in some shit effort or something. I mean, that was a pretty, pretty commendable effort, but you know, now that you bring it up, I would say that there's probably a couple things about him that stand out to me. Listen, he is obviously extremely talented uh, and he has weaponized his frame. Like he uses his length. Well, he's got devastating strikes, great combination striker in general um smart good fight IQ in the stand-up right his coach Ozzy dugulubgov I have a lot of respect for I think he's a very good coach he's got some other ones too but um, Ozzy I think I covered in his world series of fighting days and he's a very very good coach he doesn't really get his name is a little bit hard to say Dugulubgov, but uh he is uh he's a he's a beast. Um, Here's the issues I think Jalen Turner has come across. All the ability in the world, still young, but one, while he has weaponized his length, I don't think he's done quite enough work yet on having enough defense for his size. I bring this up to say, like, you'll see this in jujitsu a lot, too. You'll get guys who are really lanky. And guys who are really lanky, like, a lot of times, you'll see they have very good guards. And guys who have very good guards in general – have guards that are easy uh, or very, excuse me, very difficult to pass. But, you know, when you're that long and someone gets in between, you know, the spaces you're trying to create, once they get through, it's much more difficult to reinsert something to recapture that space, right? So you have to be, you have to know a lot of different tricks. You have to have a lot of good ability to maintain guard. So not let people get past certain points of contact because there can be certain liabilities given the way your frame works. Where that can happen, so you'll see a lot of guys they'll do like Toriando mobile passing or guys with long legs, because once you get past it and the knee comes inside for like you know neon belly or whatever, you're 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 sitting pretty. You're in a good space. So to me, that's more of like on the grappling side of things, but it's illustrative of what I'm talking about on the defensive side of things. Really, in all the departments, I don't think that there's been enough work to work on the very specific realities that someone with his frame at that weight class. Uh, faces, I think he's certainly put in an enormous amount of effort. What I'm saying is, I don't think he's there yet, uh, but he's in good hands and he does seem quite talented, so I think he will get there. Um, I think the other thing is, from a like a competition standpoint, the lat like the gamrot fight and this one, too, it felt to me like, um, he faced levels of resistance that he didn't fathom about, like. lot of these guys visualize competition or they've been in actual fights where they got pushed pretty hard and then they you know it, it went whatever way it went in like the hooker fight and the gamrot fight it seemed like he was up against a level of resistance that he had not imagined before he had not contemplated what that might look like at those junctures for different reasons gamrot wasn't like, beat up in that way, Uh, but Dan Hooker's, like, ability to survive and then get the takedown, like, there was a kind of almost like a look in Turner's face, just, I think, from inexperience around that. He had not really ever faced a guy. Like, dude, the reality is facing a guy like Gamrot, facing a guy like Hooker, if he can really use those experiences, dude, they might level him up. You know, that, these are the kinds of like, whoa, you know, you performed ably, came up a little bit short. What lessons could we learn? What could we implement that would have made the difference in those contests? That's a real doable thing for him. Uh, some of it, I think, is a bigger problem that has to be worked on a little bit more slowly, but some of it seems a little bit more specific as well and maybe just experiential. So I, I'm still pretty high on him, actually. Uh, but what I would say is those things, uh, I, w- I feel like they have to be addressed in order to get to the next space uh you have to know what consistent resistance through 15 or whenever he gets there 25 minutes looks and feels like you have to realize with your frame it's going to weaponize certain things it's going to limit others having an understanding about how to surf one you know while avoiding the other would be to his benefit um good question See, this part's easy. Look, I know you don't like doing interviews, but on the rare occasion when you have or want to, what's the preparation process like? How do you choose your questions? And what things do you consider while conducting the interview itself? What tips would you give someone who's planning to talk to fighters? Thanks for all the great work. Uh, Yeah, easy one. First of all, in my case, I have some ability to deliberate through this. Uh, So, you know, I don't get to, I don't have to interview everyone that comes my way. I can kind of pick and choose. So one, I get to pick people who I think are better at conversation. That takes actually away a lot of the problems. That's really not the situation you're facing. If you're having to talk to any athlete in general, Uh, pretty simple. Like you should, you should have a good reason about why you're talking to them. You should have a very good reason in your mind. What am I trying to get out of this interview? Like when this is over, what do I want to have learned? Um, what has nobody else asked? And that may be harder to do, especially in today's climate, it's actually almost impossible, but to the extent possible, is there something that they haven't gotten out of? Is there a way to, you know, um, do I want to build a relationship with this person or is this merely a transactional one and done kind of thing that would happen a lot to me at Sirius XM? Like I'd be trying to talk to fighters and then what would happen is famous people would use, they would do like the, the hot, the car wash where they would do like a bunch of serious XM shows in a day or two days. So I got to talk to like Lawrence Fishburne about like John Wick movies he was making and stuff like that. Um, So that's a little bit different, right? Where it's just a one-time thing. Uh, You know, so you should know what you want to get out of it. You should know about these people. You should look at their social media. You should read interviews with them. And then you should have sort of like a real basic understanding of how to guide the conversation. What are the points I want to hit? what are the questions related to that what might be a conceivable follow-up and if you're really nervous you can just follow that to a tee. my model of recommending things is listing the topics that you want to get to wording the questions as organically as you can and then leaving a little bit of room for potential follow-up or a change in direction based on what else they might say that's about it yeah all right uh, Luke, you recently mentioned you're nowhere near where you thought you'd be in your career. I'm not nowhere, but definitely not close enough. Yeah. Can you elaborate on where you'd like to be? I ask because you seem to be on top of the game as a CBS analyst. Yeah, I mean, this question got a little, or my answer got a little bit misinterpreted. I mean, again, dude, like I've, you know, among my peers, I've done pretty well. Like there's not many people who have tried to do what I've done and have gotten further. You can count them on one hand. You can count them on a couple of fingers. Uh, It's not many. So like, I feel very good about that. Don't misunderstand me. It's just... um I'm not satisfied with that. <laughs> I'm not, and it's not even, it's not even that. It's like um, there's a certain kind of level of popularity. But the problem is, dude, I mentioned this before. Like I, I think I can produce, I think I, I now can produce content that is, um, that, that can get me there. I do believe that. Uh, I just think the way I've been going about it for a long time, I had a misunderstanding about, um, I think, who I was and I think I have a bit of a better sense about it now and so there are, I think there's a real potential to to get there but you know it took an understanding such that I have any of self and understanding of purpose and understanding of what works and what doesn't to get there And that was a big 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 process of trial and error also like my appetite has changed uh, do you guys know what a milkshake duck is you ever heard the term milkshake duck it's a strange term a milkshake duck is, uh, its a, I think it's a term that came out of like internet lore somewhere where it's like you learn about some like some viral story pops up and you learn about someone and you're like, wow, this person's really interesting. It's like this heartwarming, wholesome story, like man saves, uh, you know, uh toddler out of burning building or something, right? And like, wow, what an amazing story. And then you learn more about the, uh, you learn more about the person who was the center of that story then it turns out it's like oh but they were you know they are wanted in another state for murder or something like that right you're like oh oh this person's awful i mean they did a nice thing but they are basically you know awful i have run into a lot of that in this industry a lot of that and uh kind of tired of it kind of tired a lot of milkshake ducks in mma i feel like um and uh it is I think it has made me resentful. Um, I don't know what to the industry in, per se, but like almost like resentful at myself that I didn't detect that earlier. Uh, it's complicated, but I understand that I have worked hard. And dude, I've said it before, like I am well taken care of by CBS. I am well taken care of by Showtime. Uh, I'm extremely grateful for that. I want folks to understand, like I feel like I know, I know I've built something I, about that i am certain however uh i've not built nearly enough i've just not built nearly enough and i can be honest about that without feeling bad um yeah here we go uh look you've discussed how much you dislike <laughs> that's funny Luke. you've discussed how much you dislike much of the mma world outside of the fights themselves and how many fans lose interest after initial fervent love of the sport okay has your distaste for aspects of the sport grown over time as MMA has grown more entw- entwined with politics, human rights abuses, and worker exploitation? Do you feel that there will be an inevitable point when you're done with the sport entirely? Yeah, sure, all of it and then some. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's no way. There's no way to say that that has not been the case. Uh, there. It's, I mean, the, the actually the politics of it. I know that this this will sound uh, impossible to hear if you're deranged. But to the non-deranged, believe it or not, the political persuasion part is less a problem for me. I I mean, that's not something I don't care. I think all of us would be a little annoyed. But I don't really care that much, actually, about political differences. Rather, it's less that. It's more, uh, it's some of that. But it's more about the unwillingness to repudiate loathsome characters. Right? That's really the issue. Uh, But, you know, I will tell you, like, I think MMA is really bad in that regard. But then you look up, you know. You look up why the why the rumble in the jungle was in Zaire, and you're like, "Oh, right, this has been going on forever," and you're just ignorant to the fact that uh, polite society—not in totality, but in large part—has left combat sports, and uh, the other part that is not polite society has filled it in. Ta da! And uh, I. You know, I think if you have a love affair with... And also, like, the way in which I discovered... um, Everyone discovers MMA in their own way. Like, how did it enter your life? It entered mine on the martial arts side of things. So, to me, I always had that prism with it. And so, that got shattered. But, I mean, I will just tell you, like, if you watch combat sports long enough, um, and about MMA in particular, it, it, it all... The life cycle is so predictable at this point. I, I know I'm right, right? Like, and I don't say that... Uh, <laughs> usually like a very like uh I don't know but this one I'm I'm feel I've just seen it too many times to not be able to tell you people come into the game and MMA has an ability to just grab you and shake you in ways to like capture your imagination unlike things that maybe you've ever seen before certainly that was the case for me but like based on like the testimonials of what I hear from other fans it's this moment where you take it and like, you're just never the same afterwards. Like you cannot believe what an amazing sport this is. You cannot believe what these athletes do. And there was a time when we had a real underdog attitude. I don't know if current MMA fans feel that way, but certainly, you know, from 2000, whatever on up, uh, there was this real, like, you know, we, well, at first of all, was it wasn't clear that MMA was even going to survive. And then you're like, maybe it can do it. Maybe it can do it. It was like the the little engine that could. So whether there was this, ra- it was a cause. Dude, MMA was a cause back when, some of us were coming up in it like and we were you know you wanted to hold politicians accountable so it could the legislatures would pass laws like in new york to get it legalized and dude you know you knew that there were unsavory characters you knew it was violent you knew there was like a rougher industry but it was it still it was still beautiful like the longer you stay in mma the faster well, I, I, not even fast, but it will just inevitably look much uglier over time. You, you have no choice but to find your way there. And I don't know if that's exactly what puts people off rather than they have these hot love affairs and then their life moves to a different way. They don't have time for it and they kind of lose interest. And so that, that watered down model kind of, like it doesn't cause exits as much as it facilitates exits that would are easier to facilitate. Um, So the point I'm trying to make is, you know when i came up there was this sort of like galvanizing bond about it and and some of the reasons for that galvanizing bond are gone in, in a normal way some of it are gone for awful ways but you're asking about like the human rights abuses and worker exploitation now exploitation i think a lot of people are going to say a charged word they only think like slavery or something or you know i don't know illegal labor in some kind of way that's not what we're saying but Um, If you believe that the UFC at this stage of its development has turned into a monopoly on the industry and that the fighters don't have any federal regulation to protect themselves... And you can ask, like, are they getting the money they deserve? Tanner Balser, speaking about the, the rock shoe deal where they don't get a penny and they have to wear these stupid ass shoes. You know, I, in my judgment, uh, I, whatever the legal definition might be, that's exploitation in a, in, a, in a very defensible way. So that's what you're talking about there. And the human rights abuses. Now, obviously, no one in MMA that I know of is directly doing them, but you know, this relationship to an inability to reject Ramzan Kadirov, dude, it's such a moral stain on the sport that people do business with this guy. And that that this is just kind of well, that's just what people do. I mean, on some level, you do have to accept it because it is prize fighting, right? And like, you've got to get the bag whatever way you can get. And if these guys are going to be economically denied one way, then you know, in a world where shadowy people have lots of money, the the incentive structure is going to be strong for them to take it. Okay, I can understand that too. But the reality is, the reality is, it's fucking gross and awful and deeply evil to do business with a guy like that just period like and, that, and and this is not some uh you know mother teresa moment like who the fuck could argue against like what would what would the argument be for inclusion for people like that as bettering the sport um it's just absurd and i really am like shocked that the you know us government which has banned people from doing business with him like staying out of this. I mean, I don't know what the rules are related to independent contractors from another country doing business here. This is a very complicated matter, but it's bizarre. It's truly bizarre. Um, And like such an indictment of just how it's not. um, Dude, to have an indifference in your heart about the animating causes about why people are against him. You gotta be, you gotta be cold inside, and like not in a good way. Like you have to be, like part of you is morally stunted, or you know, you're you the calculus that you have to make is frayed uh, in, uh, in terms of the logic required to ignore it. Um, yeah, so like I don't how how can you watch that all the time. Uh, you know, and then to see how athletic emissions are not, and uh, over time, not sharing purse numbers, working on behalf of the promoter, like fucking the fighter every different way that they po- the fighter's still like, like they're the least protected entity in all of this, it still maintains this way. Like, and when you begin to really see that and how the sausage is made, and yes, certain guys get um, a lot of money in life, and then certain guys, it's like, this would be a better alternative given the other factors they were up against. Okay, like none of this stuff is is always easy none of this stuff is uh it's it's messy it's complicated and i I can accept that as well but there's a few things like dude like saying no to a guy like kadyrov dude this is not a difficult moral question it's not difficult man like it's not hard to parse that um some ones are harder than others like you know francis's case about taking the saudi money like that's a difficult one and there's a strong debate about it but when you've had his life and you were 10 years old working in the sand mines like good luck convincing him otherwise you know what i mean like so these issues it's i, I want to be as clear as i can i'm trying to be as understanding as i can but over time it's like dude people just don't give a fuck in this industry i said this last week they don't care they don't care how can you be exposed to this over time and not be bothered by it you have to be dead or a moron dead inside or a moron like or 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 i will say this very confused um, and I mean that genuinely because it's, it's not fair to say that everyone is dumb who does it. That's not true. That's silly. But I'm frustrated by the situation, and I will say that there are a, a lot of very confused people. And I'm so and I and I really don't think that like the end of the story is here. Like the government has to be paying attention to this, dude. They have to be. I bet my life on it. You know, I'd bet my life that they're watching this, and what I don't know what they're doing about it. Maybe nothing, but I'd bet they're watching. Um, seems like there's way too much. That's way too easy of a problem to make to to get caught up in. Uh, if like, if you're just gonna like do that kind of stuff, and not for the UFC. I mean, the UFC is pretty good about staying in compliance with stuff like that, but the actors around the space in MMA, I don't know, dude. I don't know about that. So, yeah, stick around long enough. It's not to say that the fights won't be beautiful or that the athletes won't be uh, capable of incredible things, but it will look much uglier to you over time. All right. Here we go. Luke, with the trend of immediate rematches increasing in frequency over the last decade, what do you think should be the required level of establishment before a champion earns an immediate rematch? No, it's the same question we get all the time. It's a fair one. Um, Everyone wants it to be like a better criteria, and I certainly would like to see one kind of fleshed out. But the reality is, every time someone tries that, their answer for it kind of sucks. You do want to have the mat. Honestly, to me, like it's not a great system, but the market pressure in terms of like um, not deli- Well, it's it's complicated. I would say this: um, the give and take between the promoter and the audience about what's acceptable, what's doable, what's even good, what's appropriate. It's really it can get. It can go sideways all the time, but that's a, up up to this point, this is a better one than I've seen than other models that are either too bureaucratic, like when you get to sanctioning bodies about who is, you know, the appropriate contender those. And by the way, those are open to corruption, obviously. Um, Honestly, I, I believe in giving the matchmaker latitude, but I also believe in giving the matchmakers feedback, feedback at the turnstile feedback at the social media thing, feedback, with your purchasing decisions or whatever they mean, They're giving them feedback so that they can get a sense of what the market will bear, what's what what they like, what they don't, what's what's useful, what's not. I, I tend to think over time you'll actually get better results that way. Although, you know, you're like, well, we're, we had too many rematches. Right. And so, like, but the other problem is too, like flyweight, for example, like we always oh, we should have another one. Brandon Rayo might take some time off, but the problem is the division. Same with light heavyweight. Guys have strengths in different areas, but the difference overall – aggregate difference between them is not substantial the difference between dj and his field on any given night of course it can be less but in general was much wider gsp at his peak the difference between him and the field even koscheck was pretty wide and and silva and jones and whatever but the difference between these guys now the differences are much much subtler and not always useful and not significant in size um and so you're kind of getting what you're getting we it, it, and also like having quadrilogies is something you see in boxing you know Vasquez Marquez was a big one um yeah I think it happened like you know, 10 15 years ago it was a big one on Showtime boxing as a matter of fact um you know you can get these quadrilogies they I think they wanted to like start doing that a little bit as well kind of lean into what boxing does a little bit more maybe even in some cases a little bit better uh, I, I grant that they've gone too far but um But I understand, like, why Figueroa and Moreno did this and now why Pantoja and Moreno were kind of in this. They're all really good. They're not just, like, there's just not much better than the other one on any given night. It doesn't seem like, you know, maybe Moreno was, like, a little bit better than Figueroa. Okay, fair enough. I wouldn't wouldn't argue too much against that. Um, Maybe you could even argue he did beat Pantoja if you care more about damage than, like, what control position means. Okay, all right. But I, I just don't see an argument to su- suggest that like there's a, a wide gap between them. So this person asks, if the UFC acquires Bellator or a significant portion of its roster, then what divisions in the UFC will be impacted the most? Will any divisions either current champion or contenders dethroned? dude? There, I No one wants to admit this or not no one, but few would want to admit this. And I know this because when the Strike force guys came over, Those guys, oh, everyone in the UFC, these guys ain't shit. These are the B-League guys, and they come over and beat the living fuck out of everyone in the UFC. Ditto for, not not necessarily all at once, but eventually those WEC guys too because they were the little brothers. Remember, WEC had initially, you know, dude, who was the 205 champ? Was it Steve the Cantwell robot? Or no, sorry, Steve the Cantwell robot. Steve the robot Cantwell? I mean, you know, that's what we're talking about. It was over there, and uh you know, so they they had to get rid of those divisions, and it was one fifty five and down. And you know, how good is Cerrone? How good is Henderson? How good is all these guys, all these guys? Who are a B league guy, and then they came over, and again, that was a little bit a little bit of give and take. But eventually, they became like legends of the UFC and some of the best you know fighters in certain ways we've ever seen. Uh, so there isn't a doubt in my mind, Patchy Mix might come over and beat the shit out of everybody, uh, or at least enough people to get the title, dude. Vadim Nemkov, like who is gonna sit here and say you, you may not believe in Vadim Nemkov? But who's going to really sit here and say that, like, oh, I am, I'm certain that the UFC's 205 best guy is like got it on lock. Who? <laughs> Who, dude? Who? Yuri's been out. Maybe he'll come back and that'll be fine. But that is like, let's see that when he gets here. Jamal Hill, I'm sorry to see he got injured, but he's out for wherever the fuck along. And he got that fight over Glover. And that was a weird whole situation to begin with because, uh, What's his face? The Kadirov guy. Now my memory isn't working very well. On Kalayev and Jan kind of, sort of shit the bed a little bit there. And here comes Pereira, up a weight class. Like, you mean to tell me that, like, oh, this division, you know, there's clearly one guy who has ruled the roost or no? And dude, Nemkov has beaten good fighters, man. Good fighters. Like, he's beaten Phil Davis twice. And you're like, what does that mean, dude? Beating Phil Davis twice is hard to do. Hard to do. Uh, and the way he came back and then the second fight with Corey Anderson was incredible. And obviously go look what he did to Bader. Like, dude, he absolutely would be my pick to be the best to beat anyone in the UFC. Like again, now, is he like dramatically better than those guys? I don't know on the right night. It's a little harder to say, but like, do I think he would absolutely give their top five a run for the money and probably capture the belt? Yes. I do believe this. Yes. Yes. Um, Dude. Usman Nurmagomedov. We talked, we just talked about him earlier in the show number command. I mean, I don't know if he's ready for the top 155 yet, but like, he he wouldn't be far, and um, you know he would disrupt things as well. And again, Patchy Mix, I'm telling you, Patchy Mix is a hammer, dude. He's a beast. Now with Patricio, he's a little bit on the downside, and that's going to open up, uh I think, a little bit there. Your Yaroslav Amasov uh, at 170. Like, is he better than Edwards? No, not necessarily. But do I think he could beat top three guys I, in the UFC? I absolutely think he could beat top three guys in the UFC. Yeah, dude, they would come over and make a lot of noise. And there's not, no doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. Um, but people are like, oh, so you're saying Bellator's better than UFC? No other organization can even be like a fraction of what the UFC is at this point. I've said this before. These other promotions could not compete their way to a different world. It's actually impossible for them to compete short of absolute something calamitous for the UFC. And if it's calamitous for the UFC, it's probably going to be calamitous for all of MMA. Short of that, no, they can't compete their way out of it. So, but I am saying, are there real gems of talent on AJ McKee? Another one. Are there real gems of talent on that roster? Yes, there are. 100%. Do they have very good fighters over there? Very good fighters. Someone asking about MVP. We kind of talked about this on MK. How do you think he stacks up against the UFC's welterweight division? I think he'd like in the right matchup, he'd be pretty good. You know, I don't think that giving him a wrestle boxer is a great idea. I don't think you're going to get much from that. But you know, a Wonder Boy fights kind of interesting. Vicente Luque fights interesting. Rafael dos Anjos fights. There's a little bit of grappling involved with that one, but that's still pretty interesting. Um, yeah, there's a few fights you could do there that I think would be real fun. I don't. Know, I don't know how well he does. He probably surprises a little bit. Um, Thirty-six is you know getting kind of up there, especially for a guy who's built on reflex, but. I think he'd do okay. I think I think it'd be fun to see. Mm, that is good. Uh, good question. Would you prefer the passing of the Ali Act for MMA fighters or fighters' union, in which case the fighters are employees of the UFC with a CBA? I mean, it's a, the argument is that. Uh, if you had a union, first of all, it would be very difficult to get one, but if you were able to get one, then what you might be able to do is um, obviously get a collective bargaining agreement, to your point. But the problem is the way in which the union works in a league where teams are bidding for services is not the way it would work with the UFC. It would be a sort, of, sort of like a single entity. And by virtue of that, um, the amount of concessions you could draw at the bargaining table would be somewhat minimized. So it's a question of like, yes, it would be better with a, with a union and it would be better with a CBA. I think no one disputes that. but the question is like, how much better? Would it be the best way to do it? The argument with the Ali Act is, well, you wouldn't have a union. You would not have a collective bargaining agreement, but you would potentially have a degree of contractual freedom and built in industry limits that'd make it much more likely for you to bounce between promoters. Um, you get the independent ranking. Uh, you'd have much more ability to audit promoters. You would have the ability to be your own promoter and to then go into fights for yourself. Um, Like we see Canelo and Floyd and everyone else do. Again, Francis is doing... do Francis getting two checks. Getting that fighter check, getting the gimmick check. That's the name of his company. Getting two checks. Two checks. You know, this is what I mean. Like all of these kinds of ways that open the doors. Now that, again, there's a big debate. Like the MMA side has a, a middle class... In ways that potentially boxing does not that is largely true um so there's trade-offs in every direction i'll just say this at this point i take any of them uh the other part too is if you had a cba that that might entrench the ufc as a legal monopoly now not every sports league in this in the country is a legal monopoly um some are some have some have that some don't but so it's not a guarantee they would, but there's a chance. You would certainly, you, you, you could risk entrenching that position. Um, so there's it's trade-offs in a few directions. Hard to defend a title in the flyweight division. Who do you think will be next? So you have Moreno, Albazi, Mokaev, Royville, and Tyra. So of the names you mentioned, Moreno obviously is championship caliber. We know that for a literal fact. Uh, Albazi to me is championship caliber. He is obviously very good. Mokaev is young and talented, but it's way too early to tell. I mean, the fact that – yeah, too early to tell. Uh, Roival, very skilled, but defensively has liabilities that are going to cost you at the championship level. And Tyra, not skilled enough yet. So there you go. Uh, someone asking – here, I'll put it up on the screen. Appreciate all the uh Luke-isms you've added to the lexicon, like wood, shampoo, donk, clown, penis, dot, fart – would you be able to tell us where Ascent to the Land of Wind and Ghosts come from? I had a producer, how long ago was this? 15 years ago, something like that, who said it to me one time. I think impromptu or it was like a video. It wasn't even quite Land of Wind and Ghosts. Like I kind of editorialized it or changed it a little bit. Um, it was something like that. And then I, I kind of settled into like the slightly wrong version of it. But the slightly wrong version of it sounds better, Land of Wind and Ghosts. This is, this is the best to my memory i could be getting some of these details wrong but that, the way I, that's the way i remember it anyway uh, i was an old radio producer and uh this is like a semi halfway remix on it it just is such a good way to describe it you know <laughs> i feel like that anyway Um, that's a good question. Take on the normalization of sports betting in modern MMA media. How do you think social media sponsoring of gambling will affect the next generation of combat sports fans? And do media members have a responsibility in the promotion to such their audience? I will tell you, we've we've been asked this question before. I won't belabor the point here, except to say, um, I don't really have much of an issue with it in fight sports. I I, I will tell you candidly, uh, if you've been in the fight game long enough. Odds long before this gambling revolution ever came around were a big part of fan discussions. It was a big part of what fans were talking about online. It's so what people are talking about the fight capital world, or at least certainly North America and, and much of the world is Las Vegas, a literal gambling hub, uh, a world famous gambling destination, you know, probably second to Macau worldwide, but with the fight game there, in the proximity it has, always been related to odds and the fights now this new component where people are giving out betting advice and what's your relationship to any UFC fighter and that's a new frontier that definitely is taking some going through some growing pains fair enough but I don't really worry about this part of it if you fight sports and gambling are inextricably linked and they have been since the dawn of athletic commissions in this country, who were there in part to stamp out illegal gambling on the fights. That's part of what the original New York Athletic Commission was tasked with doing. So to me, I know that it looks like it's this big gambling revolution, and it is, particularly on the sports gambling side of it. 100% all of that is true. What I'm trying to say, though, is, this was just a slight maturation of what was longstanding practices in fight sports. It's a big change, I feel like, on the other side um, in terms of what relationship the average consumer of the NFL or of whatever. I don't, I don't know about the European soccer side. I can only speak about American sports, MLB. The relationship that those news outlets, whatever, had with gambling before the revolution, they have taken a dramatic turn. Frankly, I think the question is more relevant for them. I think asking people in fight sports to be like, what are your thoughts about gambling? Yes, you need guardrails to avoid what has happened with this James Cross situation, whatever inevitably ends up coming of it. But short of that, you got to let the fight game have it and just stop worrying about it. No pro clutching on this one. I'm not saying you're pro clutching, I'm just saying as a, as a general rule, no pro clutching on this one. Have you seen the UFC's weird matchmaker sweepsticks? I've seen it, but I don't have anything to say on it. Uh, Luke, is Holly Holm the modern-day Gabriel Gonzaga? Pull that one up. A fighter who got a career-defining win, archetypal of their normal style, had mediocre results in the years after, yet kept getting big-name opportunities off the back of their big win. Let me look up. I haven't looked up Gabriel Gonzaga's resume. By the way, Gabriel Gonzaga is a very good black belt, um, in the gi, especially. Let's see. I haven't looked up his. Obviously, he has the Crow Cop win. Let's pull it up here. What do we have? God, he went 17-12. and 12. He fought in 2018? Good Lord. All right. Um, yeah, so he had the loss to Verdum early, but that was back in Brazil. So that was before he was even in UFC. He had the big win over Mirko Krokop. Then he lost to Couture. Then he lost to Fabricio again. Had a couple of wins. Lost. Had a win. Lost. Brendan Schaub, of course, beat him 121. Had a couple of wins. Lost. Some decent-ish wins yeah i don't know i don't know if that i don't <sighs> a fighter who got career-defining win archetypal of their normal style no i mean the head kick ko dude that was like a like again do background is jujitsu? it's not striking um so i don't know if that's his normal style and we media results in the day. I think big number back to the back. But yeah, he had a bunch of no name opponents too. Yeah, there's a little bit of symmetry, but I think it's more a little more overstated in this particular case. DC and RC predicted that Islam will fight someone lower ranked, considering their association with ESPN. I'm just guessing Chandler. No, so we now know this. You know what? We can put up a poll about this if they haven't. If they have time for it, we can put up a poll on this. Um, is this the right opponent? for Islam Makachev would it should would you have rather seen Volkanovsky would you have rather seen um, you know, even Chandler anybody else other than what it is um, Leon Edwards was another one that got thrown out would you like to see any of these other ones take the poll I'd be curious to see what you guys think and then I'll have Othello whoever send me the numbers here at the bottom at the end of the show but I will say that uh, I, I love this fight I mean I realize that Islam won handily the first time about that there's not much debate. Uh, I think we can comfortably say that. However, I think Charles, he already looked to me against Darius, like he tightened up a few things that were in need of tightening. I think he'll have a much better fight a second time around. I don't I would still favor Islam to win, but am I curious, sure, how do you say no? to a charles Oliveira fight for a ufc title how do you say no like how do you just say oh i have a better idea i can't i can't i mean this is it's in the weight class he beat like dude you beat Benil do that I, I i everyone was got getting down on Benil because he lost you know in a sort of a fairly ho-hummish way and i'm like dude that's a quality win i mean you could say people could say whatever they want about Benil You, dude the tape on him is clear he is mega talented mega talented and charles Kind of just now handled him is a strong word, but when he started moving downhill, that was it was over for him, dude. He looked great. He looked great. So yeah, two thumbs up for me for for that fight. Happy to see that one. Curious, curious, and do I think it's, it's certainly within the realm of possibility that Charles Oliver can win? One hundred percent. He is mega talented. Yeah, that one has my attention. Also, this Sandhagen fight. Listen. Would Sandhagen versus Umar Nurmagomedov have been better than what we, we currently have, which is now they pulled apart Rob Font, Song Yadong on the Boston card to put him on the August 5th card. It'll be Corey Sandhagen taking on Rob Font. Got to tell you, dude, I don't hate that one either. <laughs> First of all, it's my birthday, number one. Number two, would I have preferred to have seen Corey Sandhagen take on uh, Umar Nurmagomedov? Yes. And does it suck to lose Song Yadong, Rob Font on the Boston card? Yes. However, the addition, or I should say, as a substitution for Corey Sandhagen to take on Rob Font, surging after the Yanes when the Adrian Yanez win, dude, you have two guys coming in on uh, well, w- one more of a hot streak, but both guys coming in of let's say big wins. A lot of times when there's an opponent change at the la- last-ish minute, I mean, it's July 20th at this point. You know, you don't, you kind of just have to take what you can get. Uh, or the fights are not not really as exciting for a lot of reasons. In which case, you don't have another guy coming off of like a surging win. That was a huge win, arguably the biggest win of Rob Font's career in a way. You could argue that. You know, it was a big win for him, and the way, especially because he finished on yes. I mean, that was a big deal. So, dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take that. Sure, absolutely. And for Islam makachev to be back in Abu Dhabi against Charles Oliveira, love it, dude. Love it. Here's something to pay attention to. Let's see how much in the week leading up to the fight, Charles is like busy visiting tigers and lions and doing media and shit. Not media, but like visits of the Royals and shit like that. You know what I mean? Let's see see what that looks like. Uh, He seemed to be a little bit preoccupied with it last time. I, I wonder if this week he'll have a leaner schedule in terms of obligations. Thoughts on one fight night 14 I did not see. Oh, sorry, the one that's coming up. With the four women's fights to headline the card I, I candidly boys and girls let me show you this boys and girls let me just show you this this has been as i said at the top of the show beating the bags off of me i mean absolutely wrecking my shit in the worst way possible but it's done yeah boys look at that yeah yeah uh kicked my ass <laughs> i have been drowning under that drowning 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 you know what one of the biggest issues was i'm not even doing a bit to if i'm doing this for my personal youtube channel or like a different scenario uh i don't have to do this but when i do it for showtime like when showtime says hey we want one of these they make me use the clips they make me like the clips that i pull are from the broadcast themselves like the what they call the the uh the program feed and it's these like insanely high def videos like these videos are like each one each file they send me is like like 150 gigs 200 gigs like like massive things and my pc is very good but i taught myself how to edit video shocker and i did it on a mac and so my my mac over here is this old piece of shit that was never high power to begin with dude it is a nightmare to edit video on that thing so that has been uh I, i got bailed out by my producer but even trying to mess with that was a fucking burden let me tell you all right let's see here uh okay here we go i like this question luke whitaker got rocked Numerous times against Romero as a big puncher, pretty much got KO'd twice by Izzy in their first fight, uh, one and a half times, but okay. Got rocked and dropped by Darren Till, got rocked by Cannoneer, and got rocked in the second fight against Izzy. I'm starting to wonder if maybe, on top of everyone underestimating Duplessis, we are missing the possibility that Rob's chin may have just finally cracked after. Y- I don't think, do I think we talked about this? How likely do you think this possibility is? And if true, How do you think he fares in the division from here on out with the reduced reaction time and durability that typically accompanies a fighter's chin being cracked? So it's a good question, but I think we did talk about this. Guys, there's no doubt in my mind it's been compromised. These chins are, they're not finite. I'm sorry. sorry. Quite the opposite. The capacity to absorb damage, it is finite. You know, whatever model you want to use for how much it can absorb, there is a limit to it before problems emerge. Dude. I remember when Liddell had an iron chin, I remember the years where Liddell would walk through big punches, um, as like known as a guy who could eat a punch. I remember this distinctly, you know? Uh, and then it goes and then you're just, you're just, it doesn't work anymore. Dude. Like Edgar used to have the most absurd ability to recover. And partly that can be related to conditioning, but nevertheless, and then it just went it just went and when it goes that's it so there's no doubt in my mind dude you can't fight the guys he's fought and come out of them the same it's just uh, tony ferguson same thing like his capacity to absorb damage has been massively compromised that's why living on your this is why i always say about izzy you know people like oh izzy paints his nails and he calls ddp the n-word you know i don't like the fact that he was hanging about hanging out with zuck but you know uh, your mileage may vary the point being is he does something that makes him happy, but pisses off the rest of the world one way or the other. But his style, even with all the fights he's been in, and he's taken some damage too, but even with all of the, the fights he's been in, in general, he has done a really good job to preserve himself. And I think that that kind of ability will uh, serve him well when his fight career is over. But you're asking about this. Yeah, dude, 100%. Uh, there's, dude, how can you fight Romero twice Izzy twice. In the second fight, he didn't get hurt that way, but you know, fought him twice. Fight Darren Till, fight Jared Cannoneer, and fight Duplessis. How can you fight those guys in that amount of times and you're gonna walk out of there just fine? It, dude, it's not gonna happen. You are going to leave Teddy Atlas always talks about it. You are going to leave a piece of yourself in there against dudes like this. This is why the fight game has to work, where you get in, you make a shit ton of money, and then you get the fuck out. That's why, that's, that's, that's the only model that ever works. And if you're not under that model, don't do it. Like seriously, this is the only way it ever makes sense because you're going to get fucked up in this. Who did I just see? Ian Heinish. Ian Heinish is taking a break from his career, removing himself from the USADA pool due to lingering concussion symptoms. You know, that's a guy you can imagine in practice is just driven, hardcore right? This is what I mean. You stick around long enough. And again, Ian Heinish is a perfect example. What a story, right? Made all of these mistakes in life was drinking homeless, ended up at Rikers Island. I mean, just the, I mean, was a drug mule. I mean, just the most absurdly poor, insane decision-making ever turns it around in the best way possible. You can only feel good for the guy. Every time I've talked to him, he's been nothing but a pro to me. And he has pushed himself with the most, like you know, Herculean of ways, and he ends up here. He ends up here. If you stick around long enough, dude, it will break these guys. It's going to break them all. You know how much, how soon, that can differ. But yes, if you're going, the one thing I will say in Rob's defense is he's he just just all the yelling in the world. Just I mean, by the way, this is every Colombian family. It's all Colombians outside here. They just do, they just, they can't, <laughs> like, I've never been to a Colombian library. I wonder if it's that quiet, you know, I wonder. I don't know that, but I wonder. They're just, they're very, what do you, what do you want to call them, festive people? <laughs> not quiet, though. That's one thing though. you can never accuse them of, quietness. Um, it just, that, that would be not, you know, you don't want to tell lies, you know what I'm saying? You want to be truthful with the audience. They just, you're never going to call them inside voice people, you know? Anyway, Whitaker is constantly motioning into people with blitzing. He's constantly moving in. Like, think about the Izzy KO, the first one, right? Where he's backing up and he's doing this number, right? Remember that one? We had to back up and he's because he's letting he's absorbing this pressure and he's letting Rob overcommit so he can bop, bop. That's what he's trying to do. And so you look at the look at what Duple C, same kind of thing a little bit too, catching these guys. Uh a lot of times anyway catching these guys coming in catching rob coming in so that makes it worse but yeah dude like once the damage is there it's hard to undo i'd be a little more cautious about saying like oh what's he gonna do he's still capable of beating very good fighters i just um you know you have to be you have to be understanding of his condition uh good question early thoughts on here i'll pull it up real quickly Early thoughts on chimaev Costa fight at UFC 294, and if Chimaev wins, do you think a title fight is next for him? Probably, probably. I I know people have been like, hey, just give him to the champ right away. Nah, he's got to beat somebody good. Nah, he's got to beat somebody good, or good enough anyway. costa has got his problems, but when it comes time to be a dog, you don't really have to worry about him. He does make some poor decisions in the fights, but uh, has big power. He is certainly experienced, and they have a rivalry. And he should be the naturally much bigger guy of the two. You can beat him. I mean, you know, uh, Drickus obviously will probably have something to say about being next in line. But if you're asking me, would I be satisfied? Because Chimaev is a special guy, and I don't think he has to obey all the rules. This is what I mean about giving the matchmakers latitude. In my judgment. Uh, would that be like the most definitive case, particularly if it's like close and controversial? Well, okay, okay, let's let's back up a step. If it's close and controversial, then I don't know. I think then it becomes a little bit more of an issue. But if you know Chimaev comes out of this, let's just say, positing looking good, I don't mind a promoter fast tracking guys. I just don't, you know, I, you 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 need to not trust them per se, but you need to trust. Got to bar, to borrow from Joel Embiid, you got to trust the process a little bit. It can go sideways all the time, but I still feel like it's the you're going to get better. Having that latitude in general will make other kinds of fights more possible that you do like. Um, let's see. If Izzy were to be fast-tracked in a more careful way, do you think he has a chance to be champ, champ, champ? Probably not. Probably not. Um, I know he has fought at heavyweight in, um, related combat sports, but no, I don't think that that's, I think the, the person who's going to get it is going to be someone like a Cejudo type. You know what I mean? On the smaller weight classes where it's like nothing's too far apart in either direction, not where you're making gigantic leaps. Although, you know, certainly that could happen too, but I don't think middle, a big middleweight going to heavyweight is impossible. I don't think that but I don't think it's as likely as someone trying to go from 125 135 145 and by the way Sohudo got damn close to beating Sterling again which would have set up a Vulcan I don't think he would have beaten Volk but you know Volk's an all-time great like you know it's that's a tough assignment um okay I do like this question though uh look there was a time prior to Dana White's slapping incident with his wife when Brett Okamoto appeared to be Dana's guy for one one-on-one interviews then Brett Okamoto asked Dana questions in relation to the incident at a press conference and Dana didn't like the questions I have not seen any interviews between Dana and Brett since the press conference do you have any thoughts about the situation Brett hasn't done a one-on-one with Dana since it at all in 2023 because that was the slapping incident was New Year's Eve well I guess The slapping incident was New Year's Eve. When did we find out about it? Was it New Year's Eve? Was it like later on New Year's? I guess it must have been. Um, Listen, (laughs) I do not know the inner workings of the relationship between Brett Okamoto and Dana White, but would I be surprised even a little bit if this was the case? No. Do we know for a fact that Dana White has retaliated against media members? He's gotten sideways with? 100%. Josh Gross a long time ago. God only knows how many things you've heard about Ariel Helwani. I don't know what they have or haven't done to me. I don't think they care about me enough. But uh, I am told that I'm not well-liked. You know, I've been told that by people on the inside. So, um, you know, there is no doubt in my mind, not whether or not it is true. There is zero doubt in my mind it could be true. In fact, I'd be shocked if it wasn't. And by the way, it's not just him. Fighters do this all the time. All the time. And they go through periods where they don't talk. Now, I've not spoken to John in a long time, but... Um, I know that John's had beef, John Jones has beef with other fighter, uh, excuse me, other media members, and they more or less have resolved their differences uh, over time. Uh, but, they, you know, they had long, what do you want to call it, periods of probation or something where fighters just won't talk to certain guys, and managers will do it, too. Like everybody in the industry does this silent game shit, you know, because they're adults, right? I mean, that's that's how adults handle it, really. Um, but OK, neither here nor there. I wouldn't be shocked at all. I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, this is why this whole thing, like, hey, we don't tell guys what to do here. Well, well, I don't know how true that is. Like, if they had issues with um, the human rights record of countries that they visit in the Middle East, um, would they retaliate against them? Or would there be some kind of issue with it? I, I don't know. But I'd be curious to find out. I'd say that much. And if media cause enough trouble, like, they're going to cut off access or stop giving you interviews or not give you a credential or like they like I'm not making this up they've done this shit in documented ways to innumerable other talents so you know whether or not that's the case in this one you'd have to ask Brett I don't know but it would fit a it would fit a long pattern of how this works not merely among promoter to media member but everyone to media member in the industry like everyone thinks that the silent treatment is the best way to get apparently the best way to get coverage or I you know I, I don't know what they think but like fuck this guy i'm not going to give him interviews or something um okay you know okay this is the but i mean this is the, like i made this bar I, I i don't know again i don't know what happened to Brett, i hope not but like for me personally this is why i punted on this shit a long time ago it's like dude you can't You cannot even approximate trying to um, tell the truth about the industry as best you can ascertain it if it is at all critical of any figure or the industry itself and then hope to maintain access. It just won't work. It won't work. They, They will not talk to you. They will try to make life difficult for you, whatever. Again, different promoters, different managers, different fighters in their own ways. They'll all try to do something to you, but they will make it difficult for you, yeah. And so I just was kind of like, fuck it. Like if, if, if anything I say at any time, like, it's like, I gotta be read my Miranda rights before I even open my mouth. It's like, dude, I'm not going to live like that. I'm going to live a little bit more freely and then just take a little bit less on the access side as like the cost. I don't know if that's a workable model long-term, but it's the one I came up with. So yeah. So it could very well be, could very well be. All right. uh, Let's see. Anything else here from this one? oh you know what thoughts on Bradley Martin saying on his podcast he can beat Haney in a street fight he also then asked Nate if he could beat him okay it's a trivial fun okay good point dude now Bradley Martin is a good athlete it looks like one anyway and uh, I like Bradley Martin you know I uh I've in I've enjoyed some of his lifting videos I don't enjoy his comedy you know all the skits and bits I don't give a fuck about that shit but, you know, you could not, I, I, I like Bradley Martin. I like that he has made a career for himself. He works really hard. He, you know, you could say a lot of positive things about Bradley Martin. And Nate was kind of right. Like, to the extent that Bradley Martin could wrap up with him and then control him physically and particularly take him off of his feet, anything is certainly possible in that circumstance. But, dude, I just can't overemphasize this enough. I really can't. If you've, I, I always make this point. If you're like a passionate player of tennis, let's say you're 18, good enough to play like good tournaments, maybe you're a low level pro or something, you know, whatever, not even that, like you're still amateur. Like I say, you're 18 and you play for your local or a good university or something, right? There you go. Somebody plays division one tennis. That means you're good enough to play. You got recruited out of high school by a major university to go play tennis in a division one program, right? That's a big deal, dude. Even those guys will never get time with Djokovic. Those guys will never get time. Who's this new Spanish kid? Uh, Alcaraz, I think is his name. I think I think, I think I think that's his name. Carlos Alcaraz. Like you're never going to get – He's. I know he's 20. You're never going to get time with him. Or Federer. I know he's retired. My point being is you never get access to these guys. They live a completely different tennis life than you. But, dude, in combat sports, it's the differences – sometimes it can be a little bit wider. But, like, in jiu-jitsu – you can go and get your, you can go and you can go, dude, you can go and see what's up. You can go see what's up. You can go roll with these guys. They'll fuck you up for free, dude. I've said this before, man. Like I, I tangled one dude with one dude who was a member of the Mongolian judo team. I had never met a human like this. I never met a human like this, dude. They, he felt like he was rooted to the fucking ground, split my lip on with his heel trying to seal up an armbar. I mean, just hard nose dudes. Pro athletes, when you really encounter like someone like a pro level of something, I and mean, if you're at the Olympic level of Judo, that's a pretty fucking high level. Dude, they will they will tear you up. They will tear you up. They will tear you up in ways you did not even consider. So I'll just say this. I don't give a shit what would happen. If they stood at range at for any amount of time, Devin Haney would knuckle him into the fucking dirt. I just zero doubt in my mind. Um but the equation changes because of his size uh, and taking Danny uh, Haney off of his feet. The equation just changed there a little bit. Uh, as it relates to Nate, I think Nate would beat, beat the bags off of him. Like, no question about it. No question. And I like and I like Bradley Martin. I'm just pointing out if you play tennis, dude, you'll never get to go and play, a, you know, hey, let's play a couple sets with Federer. You'll never get to do it. You can do that in combat sports. You can find gyms that will let you go do that. You can go and like spar like really high level people. And they will fuck you up. <laughs> Mark my words. They will, they will make you reconsider what you ever thought you, you knew about them or yourself or that process. Utterly different, dude. Like the, the, the I I cannot encourage more. And I'm not like street bullies. Like, oh, the street bully came in. That's a version of it too. But like you can go and do this in a more controlled and like nurturing environment. They'll still fuck you up. They'll fuck you up good. You know, how about Anthony Smith? Anthony Smith is a pro-level UFC fighter. He fought for a UFC title. By the way, if he was a little more duplicitous, could have won it just by saying, Oh, I can't, I can't finish. They could have put the belt around his waist. He could have been, he was this close to being a UFC champion. Good black belt. I know other people who have roll with him are like, he's a good black belt, like a really good one. Dude, what did he say about uh Nikki Rod? Barbecued him. They must have wrestled and 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 rolled for an hour. He was maybe on top position for like one percent of it. Barb his words barbecued him. He he left there thinking like I know nothing about jujitsu, and that look how good he is. So, dude, like <laughs> I've rolled down to headbangers before years and years ago. Rolled down to headbangers. They may not let you spar with like Lamont Peterson. This was back in like 2007 or something. They may not let you spar with Lamont. They'll let you spar with Anthony. Anthony will fucking dem- he will demolish you. He would demolish you. You know what I mean? Like the people just have no concept of what it means to be that good at that thing just zip zip yeah dude Nate Nate Diaz would fuck Bradley Martin up and I count me in one more time count me in as a Bradley Martin guy I respect his hustle I respect his grind I respect what he does in terms of how far he's taken himself I respect it completely Devin Haney on the feet would work Bradley Martin like a summer job like a summer job he would get hit with punches in openings he didn't know existed Mm -mm. Mm -mm. it'd be real bad for him on the ground you know different story with devin haney but like you know is he a skilled takedown guy also if the fight goes longer than two minutes like (laughs) devin haney's gonna be fresh i know that for a fact you know i know that for a fact do you know that for a fact with bradley martin 90 seconds in, what does he look like? Mm. Like, serious question. What is, could Bradley Martin survive? Good question, right? Could Bradley Martin survive two minutes with Giga Chikadze? You know, just fucking blasting him to the midsection. I don't know, dude. I don't know. I, I, I might take the under on that one. All right, let's see what you got for the paid side. Again, if you don't want to do that, totally cool. If you do, we can do it. All right. Uh, okay, do you know who John Peretti is? Yes. He was one of the original UFC matchmakers. Yes. I think I used to be Facebook friends with him. In his book, Origin of a Species, I have not read that. Uh, like, a, like a take on Darwin. He claims to have coined the phrase mixed martial arts Then he was blackballed. Um, I'd have to investigate his claims. I don't know them. Enough. I'm sorry that I can't give you a better response, but um, I don't I don't know anything. I I genuinely don't know anything about that. Luke, did you hear about the indigenous girl who was kidnapped and taken to Camp Pendleton? You mean in okay. No, I didn't. Apparently, this has happened before as well in 2020. Camp Pendleton's on the West Coast, um, and is a uh a very important base in the Marine Corps. And you know, crime in and around Marine Corps bases sh- should not come as a surprise. It's the best way I can explain that to you. Uh, is MK in trouble? Uh-oh. Yesterday's show had people worried. Uh, here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. Don't worry. Don't worry, is what I, what I would tell you. I don't want to say much more than that. Um, let me think this for a second. So, what can I tell you? Yeah, I would say, don't worry. Um, but a year from now, I, I, I'll just say, don't worry. I'll just say, don't worry. I don't know how to say more than that without giving the, the game away, which I don't want to do. So is MK in trouble? I would not worry about us being able to um, keep doing MK. Um, when when you should worry i will let you how about that when you should worry i will let you know i have not let you know that i'm letting you know the opposite of that okay so don't worry there's definitely a lot of uh craziness going on behind the scenes about that 100 but i would not worry if i were you there you go what are your thoughts okay good question i guess we have to get to this now what are your thoughts on Jesse on fire's video on you? Also any advice for a guy going into college? I don't know what the advice for college would be. Um, you, uh, you don't have to have everything figured out in college. How about that? You don't have to have everything figured out in college. Um, I thought, yeah, you had to have all the answers and uh, you're 18. You don't know anything. You don't need to know anything. Try to experience everything you can and try to learn about the world as best you can. And don't worry about like, oh, what's my major going to be? Figure something out. Do your best. It really will not, it is not such an important question that you have to kind of like have life anxiety over it. All right. Uh, as it pertains to the other one, it's like, dude, I don't even know what to say about shit like this. Let me just say this. There are a few of these guys of this type where, first of all, they have like, they have like uh, titles, they don't have, they don't use their real names. I can think of three of them, but there's some other ones as well. You know, and of course, some of the largest creators do that as well. But I just want sort to of mean like they are they're upfront telling you that they're not they're not interested in being sort of seen as serious, serious people. Um, but the bigger point is this: it's like there's a certain like version of just internet loser that appears to be very concerned with what I have to say about things in ways that surprises me. And I just, I need them to understand something. And I'm honestly not even trying to be mean. I don't care about you. Any of you. Like, <laughs> they care deeply what I have to say. I don't care about anything you say. I don't care about your opinions on anything. I don't care about content you make. I don't care what you have. Like, they they use my content. I don't, I'm not going to put down copyright strikes on them. I don't give a fuck. I don't in any part of my day ever think it's a useful version of my time to hear anything that they have to say, literally about anything, include, including and especially me. Like, why would I do a bare minimum of investigation into what? And he's not alone. There's other ones like him, but a bare minimum of investigation into them. These are these are. People, they are loud for the sake of being loud. They are not interesting. They're not bright. They're not well-read. There's nothing interesting about them. Why the fuck would I care? Dude, say what the fuck you want to say. I don't give a shit. (laughs) I don't don't care at all. You never see me bring them up. I don't give a shit. This dude, Justin on fire, he follows me on Twitter. I don't follow him. He hit me up about a year ago to collab on a video. I didn't hit him up right? I don't, I don't care about you. I don't care. You're utterly meaningless in my life and uh, useful ways in which I want to spend my time. And of course, everyone's trying to do this bit where it's like, and this will get used too, like, oh, you care, you're doing this thing. I care in enough to answer this question. Okay. And then I don't want to talk about it anymore because I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about any of you guys zip. That you can't even use your, you don't even use your names. You give you guys, there's chat board screen names. What are you, fucking 40? Like, what are you doing? Okay, I don't give a fuck about you. I don't give a fuck about your channels. I don't give a fuck about your opinions. They're profoundly stupid and not worth my time. Actually, you know what's funny? The joke is really, it's on me, but it's on them and they don't even realize it. Like, it's on me. Here, here's what I mean. Like, here's how... I mean, getting back to the conversation about like, I've reached certain things, but I'm not where I want to be. Here's how, you know, I have underachieved. Look at the level of my antagonist. Just the most pathetic version you've ever seen. Like that is the person that thinks that like we're peers enough to have these like, like what the fuck? Like nothing says nothing is like the saddest shit. The biggest critique. You could make of my career is that that these kinds of people are the people who think that they're my antagonist like oh my fucking god do you know what like an underachiever you have to be for that to be (laughs) the situation at least I'm honest about it with you right like I'm telling you the truth like I I get that like that is my fucking antagonist like when Chael made a video about me I responded to Chael right that's a worthy adversary like what the these fucks like you just got to be kidding me bro you just got to be kidding me i cannot believe these fucking mongrels think that we are peers like oh my god oh my god so i don't give a fuck say i like say what you want to say dude i, I <laughs> it doesn't like it doesn't change anything about my life none of it is interesting like it's proximity to the truth here's how confident i am and i'll end on this one I encourage anyone in my audience to please go hear what they have to say and this gentleman and some other ones as well. And if in the end, like that content is better for you, I encourage you to go. I encourage you. We don't have the same audience. Like I, there's no doubt in my mind, like the kind of audience that I want would like, they're not interested in antagonists of this level. Oh, my God, dude. It's so fucking embarrassing that I have to be like, these are the people that are, these are the people coming after you? Oh, my God, dude. People that look like they've been tasered on the side of the highway in North Florida. Another one who looks like a skin tag that someone fucking super glued pubic hair to. I mean, we are just talking about fucking garbage pail kids coming after you with loud opinions, utterly centered on nothing. Like, what do I think about it? I don't. All right. Gourmet Chen Chen versus... <laughs> I don't know how to answer this question. I don't know how to answer this question. Uh, there we go. Rip, tear, lacerate. Okay, dude. Whatever it takes, my friend. Thank you, Yusuf. All right. Good question. Luke, I'm curious on what Othman's views as a Moroccan. That is true. He is Moroccan. Wow, this is a very uh, nice... Donation, Jesus Christ, uh, are on the Azaitar brothers. I was surprised by the blowback you received for posting about them as a Levantine or Levantine. uh, I can tell you that it worries me that these are the representatives of the Arab world in the UFC. I don't know what I, I, by the way, like whenever he posts those on my social media, I, he picks them. I don't ever pick them. I don't, I don't do anything. Like he, he's the one that uses them. So it's a better question for him. I'll ask him and then we'll talk to him about it. Here we go. Oh, here's Othman. It sucks that the only Mariah. (laughs) Okay, I mean, he said it, not me. You know what I'm saying? But there's Othman's take. If asked, would you work the Nganu fury fight, is there any amount of money that can convince you? Um, if you're asking me, would I go to Saudi Arabia to work it? No, no. There is no amount of money that would make me do that. Well, okay, I don't know about no amount of money, but no realistic amount of money that uh, would ever... Get me, I mean, a hundred billion dollars. All right, I might think about it, you know, but you know, realistically, no, realistically, no. Uh Luke, you might, you rightfully mention the UFC as a monopoly in the MMA industry, but say this as a negative. So does this mean the NBA, NFL, and MLB are also negative? NFL is not one, I don't believe actually, because they are monopolies as well, right? But it's very different. The ones that are have a blessing Uh, with the, so, so first of all, I don't believe the NFL is. I actually think that that's a that's a, that's a misnomer. That's not real. And on the other side, the other ones are. However, you can allow it to be a monopoly, but as long as there's a union, right? The monopoly union scenario is one that you could reasonably find some kind of way to work. And again, in a league format where there can bid for services in different directions, that's a model that quite clearly can work. But just having monopoly with no protections, like, you know, I don't think that's a great model. No. Uh, Oh, I I heard a little bit about this. The Long Island killer was arrested. I'm from Europe. That's not common here. Can you talk about living through the DC sniper period with an active uh, killer? I think I was either... Where was I, the DC sniper? What year was the DC sniper? Uh, Hold on. DC sniper, Wiki. What year was this? I can't remember anymore. The DC sniper, this was around 2002. Yeah, so I was still in uh, either in college or I had moved to New York City. So I graduated. So yeah, so if it started in, yeah, February, I guess. Some of the preliminary shootings and then it lasted until October. By October of 2002, I was in New York City. So I wasn't in DC at that time, but I'm told it was people were like running to the gas thing, you know, running to the pumps to like pump their gas and shit because it was so crazy, but I didn't live through that. So so the parts I lived through were, I lived here from ages like whatever it was, six or so uh, up until... Um, I think third grade, no fourth grade, then I did, yeah, fourth grade, then uh, a little bit of time in Northern Virginia, a little bit of time, the rest of the time basically in Georgia after through sixth grade, all the way up to high school and finishing there, then going to William and Mary, then New York, then back to DC. So, and then they, all the summers in between because my parents were divorced, I would just move up here, and um. Yeah, so I've been in D.C. for, I would say, approximately, I'm 43. I've been in D.C. for maybe 30 years of my life, something like that, but a big gap as well. Uh, Okay, and I don't know what to say about the Long Island Killer. They caught the guy. uh, He looked just like a normal person. Well, kind of like a weirdo, but you know like there's a a weirdo shade of normal? He looked like that. All right, banned substances in other sports brings long suspension and permanent scrutiny. MMA elites like Jones, Anderson, TJ have been guilty but won't suffer lifelong punishment. Is the UFC and the sport tacitly condoning it? I mean, well, let's see about that. John Jones has – I mean, I keep trying to explain this to people, and I don't know why it doesn't get – I'm not saying that this gentleman or, or lady, whoever this is, is saying the opposite, but I do want to point out something. Uh if you're looking to see who exonerates John Jones, it's anti-doping institutions. Look at, the, look at what they have said about him in resolutions to cases. They are the ones talking about the cases in ways that like make him look good. It is not me. I know this is a hard thing for people to accept because the headlines have been really terrible. And of course, you sort of look at the totality of a situation and you're like, well, everything here is collectively, it leads up to something. And of course it might, I'm not here to say otherwise, but I, I just want to point out, some of the most exonerating statements around Jones's issues have come from the mouths of the PED enforcers. That should be something that should be put on the record. Now, Anderson kind of skated because it was a little bit pre-USADA. TJ did not. He lost two years of his career. And uh, I'm not sure what the other ones you're mentioning here are. Um, is the UFC condoning it? I don't think they're condoning it, but they're not setting their hair on fire about it. Frankly, I think it's a healthier approach. The two-year model and the four-year model is based off Olympic cycles. MMA doesn't operate on Olympic cycles. Why are we borrowing that architecture for punishment, that punishment structure? It doesn't make any sense. Except, oh, it just sounds like a long time. Well, what the fuck is that? Like, these, these guys' lives are short. Their careers are short. Let them do something else. If the PFL is bought by Bellator, do they also need to drop the tournament system? I hope. And allow for elbows. Yes in order to have any chance of competing with the UFC. Yeah. Like, for example, like, one, knees to the head of a downed opponent, upgrade. No elbows, downgrade. You're downgrading the rules to service the format. The format should service the rules, not limit them. 100% agree, Lee. 100% agree. Uh, Luke, what can I tell? What I can tell, Rakic is very near to a comeback. I see this dude exercising in uh Austria like look at the thing here do you you, go follow Rackage on Instagram he's one of the few fighters that I do follow my man is out there getting busy on the on the bike what do you think are his chances at light heavy right now dude I've always been high on um on Rackage I think he's excellent uh he's big he's physical good wrestler I, you know, like anything else, he kind of reached the top and then it figured out there was a little bit of issues he had to work on. Then he got injured, and so we didn't get an answer to some of those things. But, um, yeah, dude, I, I think he could contend for – how could you look at this division and say Racket couldn't contend for a title? He obviously – assuming he can get back in a reasonable amount of time, of course he could. There's more questions about, like, me responding to people. I appreciate the donations. I'm sorry. I'm not going to put all these on the screen. I've given this nonsense issue – enough time but okay there you go uh would you rather hang out with hasabula for a day and do whatever he tells you to or get a temporary throat tattoo of bc's face for a week i'll get the tattoo yeah i'm good uh akin to your previous talks around very tenured judges versus earlier in their career uh, judges and the quality of their work do you have the same concept applies to tattoo artists and their work so that's interesting uh who is the oldest person who ever tattooed me You know, not necessarily, not necessarily, because it might involve a different cognitive set of functions where if you are a referee or an umpire and you're asked to make a for example, if you're in baseball and you're watching a pitch, you have to call balls and strikes. Are you, I do have one more response. Hold on. Um, Are you able to make a fast decision about this? That seems like a different kind of mental processing than, For example, have you guys seen, I talk about this thing all the time, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, the documentary, where it's this old guy in Japan and he makes sushi. He doesn't make a lot of different kinds. He makes very simple kinds and he makes the same kinds more or less basically every day. And he talks about like what life's purpose is. It is in service to this act of trying to get to perfection. Like you're never perfect. But each day you just practice and practice and practice and practice. And the sum total of it is you become a master at at his level. Now, there might be some trade-offs given his age about what he can reasonably do in a kitchen. I don't know what a tattoo artist can do in terms of certain projects where age is an encumbrance. But I don't think it's the same kinds of issues, especially if they're doing like, here's a great example. Um, Older figures in like Polynesian communities who tattoo people right, where they've been doing it for 60 years, and it's a certain kind of tattoo style that they do all the time, and they've practiced this one style all the time, right, and it's part of their culture. It's just a thing that they do. It's like, dude, does grandma's cooking ever get shitty? Only when grandma is like really at the end, you know, when she can't even move, but as long as she's able to move around the kitchen, the food's going to be fire. It's kind of like that. It's a different kind of cognitive functioning than making judgment calls on the fly in that particular way. O'Malley versus Aljo. Who would win and why? Shout out to Othello. Yeah, shout out to Othello. I'm still going to go with Aljo for now. I reserve the right to change my pick, um, but I might stick with that for the time being. Given the amount of generational benefits Dutch-British descendants received from apartheid in South Africa for almost 50 years, how is it possible DDP fans and Izzy haters have pushback on Izzy's behavior on the matter? Uh, Oh, God, dude. I mean, last week's video, you know... (laughs) the orcs of society took hold of it and lost their mind again over utterly innocuous opinions because that's just what they do but do we really want to get back into this like i the guy left 20 bucks okay um it's very possible a lot of people don't know anything about apartheid there's still resistance to the idea that israel commits any version of it despite there being pretty strong evidence that they do um but even then what do people know about south african apartheid like do, what do people know about nelson mandela what do people know about um, what this all meant? Uh, it's it, it's almost like a relic of an old time. Like, dude, I remember when the Soviet Union and the like the Berlin Wall fell, and like, Pizza Hut went to the USSR for the first time. Like, this was all, you know, you I, I lived through. I'm old enough to be. I, I, I saw the world change in that particular way. If you never saw that, it's really hard to appreciate just how a much of a sheet of ice over someone's life this kind of thing actually was. Um, oops, excuse me. Hold on. Let me pull that back out. I apologize. Um, so I think there's just a fair degree of unfamiliarity with the terms of reality, quite frankly um, and I made this point before I'd like to make it here and then I'll move on to the next one like when people talk about like, you know DDP staying in Africa like he breathes African air, blah, blah, blah like of course like like what on earth could be wrong with that? Like I don't, I, you'd have to be quite sinister it feels like to be upset with something like that and I'm not upset about it like he has a right to be Every everyone has a right to be proud of where they're from Everybody, right? Everybody has a right to be proud of where they're from uh, on some level. There are some versions of it that are, you know, better than others, but as a, at a basic level, you do have a right to be, you know, it's, it, it does shape who you are to a very strong degree. Um, the, the issue is like, just ask yourself, why does Francis Ngannou speak French, right? Is French the native language, like going back hundreds of years? in what is now modern Cameroon. Dude, Cameroon was fucking destroyed initially by the Germans and then the Brits and now the French more generally. And then they have carved it up in innumerable ways and then re-put it together in other ones. Like All of the geography cuts through tribal historical fault lines in these people to facilitate and foment social unrest, poverty, you name it. Of course there's bad actors beyond what the colonizers do. The colonizers don't have the uh you know the total buy on who is bad, who is good. There's other bad actors in the space including on the you know the native side who have made things bad. Please don't misunderstand me, but these fault lines that were drawn quite literally. I'm not even doing a bit here. Like they were drawn literally by the colonizers, along fault lines that have actually made conflict, sectarian conflict much more violent, much worse, right? Changing the language that they speak in in a few different directions, changing a lot of the things about ordinary life there, and it's like it's so bad that they have to flee to another place, like in this, his particular case, Europe. Like, do we think that he should have a positive view of colonial France and or colonial Great Britain? Do we think that he should be held to the same standard? that DDP was held to in South Africa with the again the relative first world comforts he enjoys compared to what Francis did like dude whose fault is it that Cameroon is fucked up a lot of people but the but what uh starts the conversation is european powers like i'm not, it's not i'm not even trying to do a political bit like that's a real that's a real thing that's a super real like not debated thing they destroyed it they they completely destroyed it He had to go to do and to, to be where he is today. He had to go like, so this idea, like, well, I'm the guy who stayed. Yeah, dude, good. Nothing wrong with that, but it was a lot easier for you to stay than it was for people like him. So the fact that he didn't like, it's the same thing with Leon Edwards. It's like Michael Bisping wasn't the first one from this place. Like, like, you know, training here and earning a belt here, dude, it wasn't possible when he was around, it wasn't possible. It was not going to happen. You some of these things, these people get forced into these situations. Like the fact that you can stay in certain parts and have success is proof of what in certain cases, like the British case, less so the African case, but the British case of what someone laying the groundwork for you. You know what I mean? Like I, I I understand people being like, Well, why are you picking on him for being proud of where he's from? I'm honestly not. I think it's great, dude. Get more South Africans in the sport. How do we lose? How do we lose this is not my point but it's like in a in a continent scarred scarred irreparably by colonial uh rule and destruction it is very ridiculous to be like well i'm the one who stayed and you're like the descent or, well i don't know his actual ancestry but the white guy in the part of south africa it's like guy do we, we you know <laughs> you 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 were he you played with like deuces on the on the the first two cards you got in the poker hand. He had he had deuce seven off suit, right? Didn't play with the same the same hand at all. Uh under what circumstances does the pay-per-view model go away and get replaced by a sub model? I don't know. Do you want that? Uh yes. Do you think 80 plus is a realistic long-term price for UFC? Probably goes up like anything else? It seems like pay-per-view buy rates are down. Um, I do think they are down. I think traffic and down, MMA content traffic in, is general and down, is down. Um, I would say that there was a chance the subscription model was going to like, re- the subscription model can work in certain particular cases, but I think the reality of DAZN being like, hey, we're the death of pay-per-view and then now they're just in the pay-per-view business and just another streamer kind of tells you that there is a certain stickiness to the power of pay-per-view that I think will keep it around for some time. But while you talked about your love for NYC, if you got an Nganu-sized bag from Showtime and could, which area of the city would you move to and why? Great question, wow. An Nganu-sized bag. Okay, so I have my official estimate for Francis when all said and done, like the guarantee plus everything else, like what, what did he make? From the fury fight my guess is between 30 and 40 million so let's put the difference to say 35 million if i had 35 million dollars jesus where in new york city would i live god what a great question jesus uh i would not live in like the, the super crazy posh parts like i would not have a soho i mean i might have a soho apartment but i wouldn't have like a soho penthouse um i would probably live on central park west that's Central. I, I love Central Park. I love the Upper West Side. Um, I love its proximity to both the park and the water. I love Amsterdam uh, Am- Avenue basically being full of bars and restaurants. And then um, you have the Lincoln Center up on, was it 66th on the West Side? Like, dude, I, it's a little bit further away from Central Park West, but that Central Park West basically from 59th to 110th and then sort of centered in the middle um it's that's prime real estate right there doesn't get life doesn't get much better than living in a nice apartment complex like or you know a luxury fucking whatever castle on central park west like uh, you know every time i've uh, every time many times i've walked by central park west i've seen conan o'brien i saw madonna one time um seen a lot of people just walking on central park west it's crazy Uh, Luke, it's Iman from uh, Hoshay MMA. These are the Arab, uh, the Palestinian guys are great. UNBC inspired us to start our pod authentically, hypothetically to grow exponentially on YouTube. What sacrifices would you make, and what's off the table, I, dude? I've made a lot of them. I'm, I'm not trying to make a whole lot more. Um, I, it, this is different. God. Okay, so here is what I did. I got into it in my mid, to, like as like a this could be a job kind of thing in my mid to late twenties. I turned full-time pro in uh, when I was 31, 32 maybe, uh, 2011-ish, so around 31, 32. And, uh, and it's kind of sort of steadily climbed ever since. Um, I completely punted all my life in my 30s. Like, I was obviously able to get married and stuff. Like, I didn't punt in that sense. But, like, in terms of my friends and family, I just punted. Never saw them, never hung out unless I had to, unless it was, like, christmas or something and even then i'm working thanksgiving i'm working um was it worth it i don't know i don't know you know i don't know about that anymore at one time i would have told you yes maybe it's worth it to get to wherever i'm going i don't know i don't know um i don't know i don't know what the answer to that is that's a tough question i think now what i would say is non-negotiables are i'm just not gonna break a lot of time for my kid like I just, I can't do that to her. I can't interfere with that at all. I, I just, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. All right, so I try to go through these a little quicker. Uh, can Izzy be a three-division champ if he fights Alex, Urie, or Hill? His case is a little bit more doable, because he seems like a big middleweight, like we just talked about. He could get it at 205 if he got a little bit lucky and have to get real lucky at heavyweight, but he could do it. It's possible. He could do it. Luke, I love your content. Wanted to get back. Thank you, Elijah. Who is the oldest generation fighter who could win a belt in the modern era in their prime? Uh, BJ, I think, could win a belt. I don't know if he could. Yeah, BJ could win a belt. Um, Maybe. Probably. GSP. GSP would win a belt. For sure, he'd win a belt. I believe that. Although Leon's takedown defense has gotten good, but he could do it. Silva could probably do it at middleweight. Yeah, I don't know. Izzy's tough. Izzy's tough. Um, he'd be up there. He'd be up there. Demetrius still around. So, and then John, I mean, you know, is, is anyone going to say that John couldn't keep up with today's light heavyweight? I, who believes that? You know, I don't believe that. Uh, Luke, congratulations on finally being rid of Dan Snyder. Yes, baby. Today is the day. His, uh, his ownership ends today. It ends today. Worst era of my life in DC sports, period. Bar none. This billionaire... Bought this team for cheap. He's going to get a bunch of money in the end, but whatever. He he, he I believe he probably has a significant amount of debt since he has to take out these weird-ass loans. This dude bought, this billionaire, bought the thing he cared about the most, local guy, and he nearly fucking ruined it. He nearly fucking ruined it. Oops, hold on. He absolutely drove a premier sporting franchise in the United States and at that time in the world into the ground into the ground half the fan base i think has just punted on them like dude this town used to be hardcore at the time redskins and now they're like hey so so on the commanders to see him go is like the delight of all delights all right good question i think no it's not what was the worst gas attack you've had on bc do it i I literally made him to the point i'll just say this i won't go into the, the, the the details on my end on his end, uh, to the point where he was like, "Dude, I need you to fucking stop!" Like, bitter. <laughs> uh, is MK being is MK being bought out by Disney too? I wish I could get a Disney check, fucking a, but no. Uh, how many pay per view sales do you think Spence versus Crawford will generate? I don't know. Take into consideration they don't have a following amongst the Hispanic market. Yeah, that's true, but, like, all of boxing is going to bear down on it. All of mainstream media is going to bear down on it. Dude, okay, here's how good MK is doing. Like, uh, we have an announcement about what BC and I are going to do next week. It's one of the coolest things I've ever done in my career. One of the coolest things I've ever done in my career. For sure, I mean that. We have a – I don't know how huge it is depending on where you live. But I'll say this, for anyone in my industry, this is a huge deal. Super pumped to tell you guys about this. Cannot wait. In fact, uh, I might be able to tell you now if they've sent out the things that they're supposed to send us graphics that we can post to announce it. I'm waiting on those. Uh, What the hell? Okay, actually, you know what? Uh, I can't announce it just yet. Soon. Soon, 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 soon. Um, Pay-per-view buys. I think five to 700000 is maybe doable. Something like that. Would you consider having Jordan Breen on? Of course, dude. I wonder how he's doing. Uh, thank you, Brandon. I appreciate it. Thanks for all you do, Luke. You play a big part of my enjoying MMA. Well, thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Uh, true or false. Spence beats Crawford by split decision. True. Ronda Rousey eventually comes back to MMA. False. UFC owns Bellator and PFL in 10 years. They could buy the rights to like their footage and shit, but no, I'll say false. Who would have made 165 or 175? Goats. Wow. Great question. Mm. Kevin Lee, 165. Goat. <laughs> um, 175. God, I've never thought about this. 175. Goat. What a great Othello, make a note of this. This is a great question that I don't have an answer to. I want to do it on next week's chat. Othello, make a note of this. I what's it 165, 175 pound go? That's a great, great question. You just caught me off guard. I don't have a good answer for you. Uh Hamzat, Gourmet Chenchen, Costa Chad. Ah. I mean, here's the thing, right? Um Costa Chad Brazilian. Like Costa should win, but like you definitely think Kamzac can, right? I think some of you probably think he he, he might. I would say I, I would say uh, I'd give Costa like the slight lean, but with a high upset potential. So I slightly pick Costa, but I don't know. Uh, Luke, I love your content, but I also like looking at clowns talk about the sport as well. <laughs> I think it's amusing. Should I feel guilty? Well, I guess if you like watching clowns, then this is the sport for you. I you know, pick your clowns, uh, call whoever you want a clown. Um, yeah, you can, you can do that. I just don't, I don't, I mean, God, God, I've been getting up at four 30 every day this week to do this fucking Spence thing. Like it has absolutely annihilated. I did it the wrong way. My process for going through the footage was, and I now look back on it. Regrettably I did it the wrong way. So it's my fault in that sense, but I did it that way. And so dude, I must've gone through like, I don't even know how many, I don't know how many rounds I went through. Honestly, I'd say more than 100. I'd have to go through my notes, but like an extraordinary amount of footage I went through. Um, I only ended up using four fights. Fuck me, dude. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, Luke, three areas old Bobby Knuckles can improve on or implement to his game. My computer illiteracy failed me earlier. Love the show. Um, three areas. I think one retargeting the body i think that's one i think two wrestling a little bit more honestly believe that and i don't just mean like taking the guy down but like actually locking up with him on the feet you know like all the way in all the way out kind of a thing i think mixing up grappling a little bit more would get him a little bit more in the end um so better targeting a little bit more wrestling i have to go through this footage to think of something else but those are the two that stand out immediately right um just making himself less vulnerable in obvious ways without detracting from his ultimate ability to win. I think these are these are things he could do. He is older, he is longer in the tooth. Um I am debating whether or not to So last week, oh god, do I even want to bring it up? Do I want to just leave on a high note? high-ish note. Um Here we go. Oh, here here are the results. Who would you like to see fight Islam? Charles is 47% Volk is 40. Ooh, Charles was 47%. Oh, Volk was right there. Chandler, 8% and others, 3%. Uh, Interesting, 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 interesting. Uh, Okay, very good. All right. Oh, Oh, there's one more here and then we'll go. Then we'll call it a day. Uh, Favorite finish in UFC history? There were shot Evans uh sean salmon one's pretty fun the joe stevenson getting choked out by bj penn's another good one those are some ones that i love a lot uh look love your content would also love more extreme metal talk well i don't know about all that a quick re- recommendation for you ulcerate from new zealand especially their album the destroyers of all saludos de tijuana uh no i've been listening to bad bunny recently <laughs> i know i'm 43 and i'm listening to bad bunny but uh god do i want to do this you know what this is what I mean. There were these people. I'll end like this. There were oh, Jesus. There's one more. Oh, last thing on then. A couple things. Not sympathetic to Izzy's argument. He's a privileged black guy from a high-income fam. Okay. And two, he's not Zulu. So what? His argument is a version of all black guys are the same. They are not. Well, they're definitely not the same, but that's not his argument. His argument is, dude, it is on video. I posted it on my thread. Thread sucks, by the way. It's like it's like, hey, let's take Twitter and make it nicer. It's like, okay, but then more boring. It's like, okay, not as good. Um, so, you know, they got a lot, they've got lot. they got a lot of scale, but they've got a lot of boringness to it as well. But the point I'm trying to make is uh, I don't think that is exactly his argument. His argument, dude, Drickus is on video, on my thread. You can see him say it, where he says, I never said that uh, I was going to be the first real Africa champion. And then he's on tape fucking saying it. I know he's trying to walk it back now. And, you know, does he have to? It's up to you. But he did say that, and these guys are going to run with it, dude. Fighters are going to find any reason to do to hate another guy that they're fighting. Like they're always going to do this. What do you think of Inaway versus Fulton? I think if you are a combat sports fan, let me put someone on the screen. If you're a combat sports fan and you want to see Inaway versus Fulton, or sorry, if you are a combat sports sports fan, then you must see Inaway versus Fulton. Uh, Fulton, is uh, an unbelievable... uh, He's out of PBC, but an unbelievable guy out of Philly. Super high fight IQ. Can play the levels of boxing like you wouldn't believe. Taking on uh, Noya Inouye, who has moved through weight classes like you cannot believe. His power carries. They call him the monster. Dude, he is a huge sensation in Japan, which is where this fight's going to be. 8 a.m. walkouts on Tuesday for this contest. Inouye has a claim as number one pound for pound in boxing. He is that good. And Fulton is going all the way to Japan, and they're having a weird weight class situation in order to make this fight happen. Like, you absolutely want to make time for this fight, yes? Please, please watch it. D- make no mistake, dude. BC's doing a instant react on his day off for that. He's doing an instant react on his day because he would he would he won't even respond to me on text messages. Um. All right, let me end here. I appreciate everyone who stuck around for this this long. I really, I really do. Um, yeah. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. There was one more thing I wanted to say, but I'll, I'll leave well enough alone. If I have to respond, I will, but I probably won't because I don't give a fuck about them. All right. I do give a fuck about you, though. I thank you guys so much. One more reminder. Uh, Othello's been on my ass about these, so we'll get these podcasts up, uh, I should say, a little bit sooner than they have been. We'll get the thumbnail changed out, all that good stuff. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, back next week. Yeah. All right. So until then, uh, you can stay frosty. Bump, bada, bump, bump.